0: You're listening to the Tenuto Podcast, presented by 4th Street Records. I'm your host, Kevin Lynch, and here we go! Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Tenuto Podcast. We're back! It's 2018 and we are officially back for a second season. You know, we got renewed... So we are back on the airwaves. And for those of you just starting your journey with us, my name is Kevin Lynch. I'm a middle school band director in Northern Virginia, and I'm the host of the Tenuto podcast. Uh, This is my second year teaching. This is also my second year being a podcast host. Uh, And I can tell you that this podcast is designed for the typical music teacher who may or may not have resources at their school. Maybe he wants a few extra ideas, wants a music education community to fall in love with. Well, you came to the right place. The Tenutonians are a rapidly growing group of people, and we're getting more and more people listening to each episode. So if you want to become a Tenutonian, go ahead and like our Facebook page called Tenuto Podcast, uh, and you'll be sure to get the latest information about the podcast. This pod releases a new episode, including an interview with one of the greatest music teachers in the country every tuesday starting today and we go all the way through the summer you might recognize us um we did the big 10 tour last year we interviewed a bunch of marching band directors in the big 10 uh and that was all over last summer that was really cool and then we actually had an article published on NAFME i wrote an article using the interviews i wrote and it was also featured in the music education journal uh NAFME's music educators journal um and then this nice lady Chrissy Weimer. she was actually someone that we interviewed on the podcast she did a study on the podcast and presented it at a conference in Minnesota Um, pretty cool stuff but enough about that I want to get into the reason why we're doing this so this podcast is called tenuto and a lot of you out there might have already figured this out but in music tenuto means full value hold the note for full value and it's an accent mark that that's placed over notes but here Me and all the two Newtonians out there listening to this podcast want to become our full value as music teachers. So this is where I share some of my ideas and I also interview teachers on their ideas just simply because I want to be a better teacher. And if you're listening to this podcast, you want to be a better teacher as well. So let's go ahead and let's jump into some segments here for the new season two tenuto podcast so this first segment is called what's going on in my classroom and I'm lucky enough to work with two other band directors so some of these ideas may not always be mine but I want to share with you guys just to give you some some different ideas and these can even go for orchestra or chorus you know any music programs should be able to benefit from this podcast from this segment Um, this is gonna be a little bit longer today than it normally is because i have about half a year for all you tinutonians to catch up on in august i started working as an assistant director with a local high school marching band and i learned a lot about time commitment during that time most of my weekends were booked with marching band shows and football games and i really learned how much time goes into being a successful marching band director and a successful high school program as soon as that ended literally the day that ended i started my first and last season of coaching varsity girls basketball I was an assistant coach and whew, that was interesting um, I learned a lot about success coming from culture there's a lot of similarities between basketball and music you know their team activities and one of the strongest is that you perform when it counts the way you practice If you don't push yourself for excellence during practice, you won't get the results you want when it's time to perform. Uh, You can't just turn it on, you know, and this is what I learned, you can't just turn it on when you want to and goof off when you feel like it. You know, the teams that consistently strive for excellence in practice, it comes out in the games, and, and those are the ones that achieve it when it matters most. During that time, I mean, I was insanely busy. I mean, I was leaving the house at 7 a.m., getting home close to 9 every night with late practices and games. And it was so important to me that I kept my middle school job, you know, my my band director priorities through it all. I wanted to make sure I was really focused on being a director. And I started to really focus on how much attention I was giving my students. And I actually started doing a lot of research on the effects of attention and the lack of attention on my students. I learned that all students, 100% of students, They long to be noticed. I read a book by Harry K. Wong, uh, and she found this really cool thing from the Carnegie Foundation. that They polled 22,000 teachers, and guess how many of them described their students as emotionally needy and starved for attention and affection? Guess. Go ahead. Guess a number. Say it out loud. If you're driving in the car, go ahead. Scream that number out. If you said 100%, you're right. 100% of 22,000 teachers describe their students as emotionally needy and starved for attention. In a book called The Joy of Inspired Teaching by Dr. Tim, I read that we all want attention. Psychologists tell us it's the number one payoff for the human creature. Attention confirms our very existence. In many cases, it tells us that we're needed. The need to be needed is one of the distinctions between man and other animals in fact for many it is more important than survival itself even those people who say they don't really want attention often say so because it gets them attention whether we receive approval or reprimand we seek the acknowledgement of those around us and we guide our behavior according to the attention rewards issued by those in our environment it's pretty interesting stuff, and I read this, this stat, you know, I'm a stats guy, I'm a retired high school basketball coach, I mean, no big deal, but here's a stat I read. Each day, the average child receives about 12 minutes of attention from his or her parents. That's an, That's an insane stat. The average child receives about 12 minutes of attention from his or her parents unfortunately there's no guarantee that this attention is positive think about that for a sec as music directors I mean we're like the CEO right and we need to make sure our, our clients are doing okay people behave according on how they feel not what they know and it is the wise director who seizes every opportunity to make a student feel special so I mean my job was I, I want to make sure these students felt appreciated when they came in my classroom, and I want I wanted them to know that I was still noticing them, and I, I appreciated their efforts, even though I had so much going on. That was really really my main goal, and I did my best to do that. So that was what really has been going on in my classroom, is I've been focusing on attention. Uh, next week, I'll talk to you guys a little bit about some of the teaching techniques I'm using, but make sure you guys are giving your students attention. You know, if a student is sick, fighting an extended illness, send him a get well message. Or if one of your students is in the hospital, pay him a visit. Say hello to students when you see them in the hall. I like to give high fives, even though some teachers think that's gross because of germs or whatever. Um, Because three fourths of the people you ever meet are hungering and thirsting for sympathy. So give it to them and they'll love you. So that's my segment let's get into the interview now we have a very special guest her name is emily mcneil she is nathme's band director of the year and she was voted as the podcast interview that you two newtonians wanted to hear first the first interview of our season two so here it is you ask, and you shall receive to Newtonians, please welcome the interview from Emily McNeil, Nafmi's Band Director of the Year. All right, I have Emily McNeil here, Nafmi's 2017 Band Director of the Year. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. And my first question is, uh, what kind of emotions were going through your head when you were the one, uh, your name was called out after band director of the year?
1: I was shocked to be honest with you. I was just excited to to be in San Antonio, Texas, for the all American Marching band, and I was there with one of my students um, who was just a fantastic student and I was just excited to be there and so I didn't even realize they had a national Band Director of the Year award, so when they called my name, I was shocked
0: <laughs> yeah, oh my gosh, yeah, I can't even imagine that must have been crazy uh, so could you tell me a little bit about your background? How you got into music education in the first place?
1: Sure. Um I started playing piano when I was 8 years old and then I wanted to be in band. Um uh, when I turned 10, when you could join band in 5th grade. I grew up in Lewiston, Idaho. Okay. And um I always loved taking private lessons and so And I loved being in my school band program, too, but then when I got to college, I decided to double major in music education and music performance because I loved to play, Mm
0: -hmm. and I knew that I
1: wanted to teach private lessons. Okay. I I know I didn't really need a a music ed degree to do that, but I wanted to gain gain everything that I could to help my students from a private lesson standpoint.
0: Sure. Okay, so you you started playing the flute in fifth grade? Is that correct? Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then, where did you end up going to school?
1: I went to the University of Idaho in Moscow, Idaho. Okay. And it was it was kind of cool because my high school band director was actually the twin brother of my college band director, and so our the high school and college did a lot of things together. And I was always excited to go to the University of Idaho, just knowing a lot about the program.
0: Sure. Yeah, that's that's awesome. And did you did you do the marching band at University of Idaho, Idaho?
1: I did, and it was great because there's an indoor stadium there, so when it snows, oh. you would not have to worry about getting cold. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. I, that would be really nice. I went to Penn State, and we had some pretty rough uh, winters. But, yeah, that's great. Did, uh, did you get to go to any fun bowl games while you were there?
1: Um, we would always go to the Boise State game because that's a huge rivalry for the
0: yeah, with Yeah, the, do they have a blue field?
1: Yes, and we marched our show on that. I remember that being, uh, we call it the Smurf Turf. When oh. would, you know.
0: <laughs> That's <laughs> it <was> awesome. <laughs> Very cool. So you ended up going to University of Idaho for undergrad, and then you said you went uh, for your master's as well. And uh, when did you decide like, you really wanted to get into the school system and become a, a music teacher, a band director?
1: It's kind of funny because I always swore I would never be a high school band director. And part yeah. of the reason for that is because I saw my high school band director have to deal with the students who didn't want to be there. Mm-hmm. And I always thought, you know, that'd be frustrating because I love music so much and I really want to play music to a really high level. And I just think that that would drive me crazy. Right. And so... um, when I finished my undergraduate degree at University of Idaho, which took me five years with a um, performance and education degree, um, I moved to North Carolina to do my student teaching. And I arranged it because in Idaho, everything's so, so spread out that you can arrange to do your student teaching in a different state. Oh, wow. And so I actually had a ma- master class with um, Dr. Tadeo Coelho at North Carolina School of the Arts. And I decided I wanted to try to move out and take private lessons from him. And so I set up my student teaching in Greensboro, North Carolina, which was only about a 30-minute drive to Winston-Salem. And so when I did my student teaching, I kind of kept thinking, I want to get a master's degree next. Okay. And um, I I had two and a half years between undergrad and my master's degree, where I was kind of freelancing and playing in community groups and... um, I actually worked at Greensboro College for a little while in between my undergraduate degree and my master's
0: degree. Okay. But wow, I mean, I can't believe you went all the way from Idaho to North Carolina. That must have been a big, big decision for you.
1: It was. It was kind of scary, but I just, I knew that I wanted to go and study, you know, with that flute professor who came through, and um, I just... Wanted to kind of explore that option there, so
0: yeah, yeah. And now you're at East Rowan Rowan High School, um, yeah. and and how did that come about? How did you end up getting that job and and starting there?
1: Well, I was in Ithaca, New York, at the time because that's where I got my master's
0: degree. Okay.
1: And so after my three years in North Carolina, I moved to to Ithaca, New York, to to do that. And when I finished my master's degree, I was taking orchestral auditions and military band auditions and pretty much any audition that opened up for flute or piccolo. Mm -hmm. And um, when I did that, I went and worked with some of my friends' bands. Like if they were band directors, they would ask me if I was, you know, when I was in town auditioning for an orchestra, if I'd come in and work with their flutes and work with their band. And so I did that and it was really fun. Mm -hmm. And um, I ended up getting an email from one of my mentors at um, UNC Greensboro and um, he had told me that there was a job in fact he had always told me I should be a band director and I said stop trying to tell me that I'll never do it <laughs> um, I ended up you know he sent this email because someone had said you know we need someone for this opening that's happened like right away and he said well Emily has her music education degree and she's in Ithaca And so we'll send this to her and see what happens, but she'll probably just kind of brush it off. And at that time, after I'd worked with some of my friends' bands um, when I was doing auditions, I thought, you know, it's really been fun to work with them, and maybe I'll just kind of try this out. (laughs) And here I am nine years later, and I'm still at East Rowan. And I've found a lot of things that I love about high school band directing,
0: too. So Yeah, that's such an amazing story. I mean... For, for somebody who seems so against teaching high school band and now to win NAFME's Band Director of the Year, that's amazing. I mean, c- for, congratulations. um, Thanks. Wow. So can you tell me a little bit about your program at East Rowan? What kind of ensembles do you teach?
1: Sure. Yeah, um, we have wind ensemble and concert band that are taught during the day. And um, we have marching band that meets after school in the fall. Okay. And then we also have a jazz band um, that meets before school, and we do that year-round.
0: Wow. That's a lot of stuff. Very cool. Um, so, obviously, I mean, even though you won Band Director of the Year, I'm sure there's still some things that, you know, that are tough, as every band director has. What do you think has been the biggest struggle for you since you started teaching high school band?
1: I think, let's see, balancing my schedule, I guess you could say, you know, just trying to make sure that I'm balancing my work schedule just with life in general. Um, Easy to get overloaded really Mm -hmm. quickly and disorganized a little bit, which, you know, sometimes I feel like I'm trying to dig myself back out of that. But then, um, you know, it kind of goes through seasons where you can get back on top of all the organizational part of it. But I guess, Being able to retain students has been a struggle because we're competing with things like early graduation um, and we're competing with things like students going to charter schools or early college, um, you know, and trying to hurry up and get through school. I feel like there's a push for students now to hurry up and get through school and not really enjoy all the things that are available to them in high
0: school. Yeah. So I'm a middle school band director. And I don't I don't really know much about that. So what is early graduation?
1: Well, we have students who can do late arrival if they have the credits that they need. So okay. like they can leave school late or they can leave school early if they have a job. And they don't even have to really have a job to do that, I guess. They can just say, I've got all my credits. I'm just going to go ahead and do early release and I'll get out of school early.
0: Gotcha. And some okay.
1: students finish even a semester early. And so they look at things like... You know, maybe I could cut band out of my schedule and I can fit other things in there Mm -hmm. and graduate early. And I've actually talked to some students who've done that. And I said, are you glad you did that? And they said, you know, I really miss doing band.
0: Yeah, yeah, I can imagine.
1: (laughs) Some of that stuff you can't go back and do if you graduate early. Yeah, because
0: there's just parts of high school that that I feel like are important that people miss by graduating early.
1: I agree. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Wow. So are there ways that you can combat that and, and get kids to stay? Or is that just a, is a tough situation there?
1: I'm kind of trying to use peer pressure for a good time. <laughs> <laughs> And, uh, you know, I, I really encourage a lot of my students to take advantage of all the opportunities they have. I've had students audition for, um, you know, honor bands. We've almost had an honor band every weekend here in this community. Wow. And, um, you know, we had the, a couple students. This was actually my fourth All-American Marching Band student mm-hmm. uh, that, that I had this year. And then um, I've had students play in Carnegie Hall. I have one going to Australia this summer. So I'm really trying to get them as involved and as successful as they can be to hopefully, you know, kind of advertise that to the other students that, you know, you really can go anywhere in the world with some of the things that you do in band. And, you know, don't hurry up and try to get out of it. Get all you can out of it while you're in school.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I, I'm sure it doesn't hurt to have the band director of the year there as a teacher. Do your kids know that you won the award?
1: They do. Were They've they pretty excited? Yeah, they were. And it, <laughs> it was great because my student who was there in Texas, um, I got separated from my cell phone because I walked up on stage to accept the award. Uh-huh. When I, I got reunited with my cell phone, she had sent me just the sweetest text. And she's like, oh. I'm just so excited that like everybody knows it now she's like I knew it all along and I, I just I started crying oh my gosh
0: <laughs> that's the sweetest story ever oh, <laughs> wow oh my gosh so does that play into recruiting at all do you have any uh techniques uh what's your high school pyramid set up like is it easy for you to recruit from middle schools and get kids into your band program
1: Well, we're lucky to have a middle school right across the street. Oh, that's
0: fantastic.
1: Yeah, in the fall, I actually get to go over for one of my blocks during the day so that I can go get to know the students and help the middle school band director, especially like when she has new beginning students over there. You know, that first day, everybody opens the case. It's nice to have an extra set of hands. And that way, I get to build a relationship with those kids before they get to high school. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and we've done some joint things. We did some joint trips where middle school and high school went together, and we had the high school jazz band play, and the high school students supported the middle school students. Um, and then we also started having seventh and eighth grade students able to come over and be a part of our marching band. Um, wow. And they can do it on different levels. They can either be all in and do everything the high school students do, or they can do, um, I I made it red level and blue level. Red level is all in, it's kind of like varsity marching band. And then blue level is we're we're gonna play at home games and parades. You know, they don't really travel with us on the bus very much. Mm -hmm. They go out and play the Star Spangled Banner with us, but they're not in the field show. So that gives them a chance to try it out before they're all in um, when they get to high school. So I think that's a good recruitment tool for us as well just because they can see how much fun the high school students are having and be a part of that before they even get there.
0: Yeah I love that idea and the, the red and the blue so that like there there's no pressure to do everything um, mm-hmm. but you can if you want to. Wow that's really really cool. Was that was that something that had been in place there or is that something that you've implemented?
1: No I developed it over the years because I thought I think there's some kids who want to do marching band who don't necessarily want the time commitment that comes with friday nights because we play at all home and away football games mm-hmm. we actually do a fourth of july parade in the summer and <clears throat> a couple other community parades throughout the year so once i realized you know i think we could get more students involved in this if we have you know because some of them just want to play in the stands and they'd show up and ask if they could play in the stands and i thought gosh let's put you in a uniform and get you you know involved in yeah, this sure but no, You know every weekend in October and two weeks in the summer and you know some of them just don't have the time commitment with that if they're involved in other things so I wanted to give them an opportunity to be involved at a different level.
0: Yeah that's that's an amazing idea and I remember you said earlier in the the interview that um, you know you sometimes every band director really struggles with time management and I'm sure marching band season for you is probably one of the, the toughest times with all those home and away games.
1: Yeah, um, it's pretty busy.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I can definitely imagine. But that's amazing that you're you're giving those 8th graders and 7th graders an opportunity to to go into it. Around here where I teach, we have an 8th grade night. Uh so for one home game, the kids go out and play Star Spangled Banner and play the stand tunes, but that's really cool you're doing that every night. That's that's awesome. Um so for you, is it really, is it important for you to keep up with your playing during the school year? Are you still working on your flute technique and everything?
1: Absolutely. And I think part of that, part of that was probably inspired by my high school band director because he was a fantastic jazz trumpet player and still is.
0: Mm-hmm. And,
1: you know, I learned a lot just from watching him perform. Um, And he was just a really, he, and he still is like just a really entertaining guy to watch when he plays his trumpet. And, um... I also, you know, when I went and I got a a master's degree in flute performance, um, there was a big part of my education as I was developing as an educator myself um, that focused on playing. And so um, I still play. I play in the Piedmont Wind Symphony in Winston-Salem. So I drive um, an hour each way to get to rehearsal when we do concerts for that. Yeah. Uh, I also play in a flute choir. It's called Flutes on Fourth, and that meets in Winston Salem too. So I have to drive a little bit to get there. Wow. Um, but it's worth it to keep my playing up.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. And it seems like you just can't get away from Winston Salem.
1: <laughs> it's a great place. There's a lot of um great art opportunities there. And it's funny, I you know, I always go there to play, but I've never lived there. Yeah. <laughs> I lived in Greensboro and now I live in Salisbury, but <laughs> I mean, it's always within driving distance, so.
0: Oh, That's funny. Very cool. All right, so I have one more question for you before we do our rapid-fire session, and this is a question I ask to everybody that comes on the show. If you could go back in time and give yourself one piece of advice uh, to yourself when your first year of teaching, what piece of advice would you say?
1: Oh, wow. Um... One piece of advice. Wow, there's so much advice I'd like to give. My- <laughs> um, I guess I would have to say. Let's see. Can I do two things, kind of?
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, stay organized and focus on the music.
0: Stay organized and focus on. The- what do you mean by focus on the music?
1: Well, there's so much that goes on your first year. As As a band director, especially because I, I always consider this that everybody has to kind of fight the you're not the last guy game, you know, mm-hmm. because, you know, you've got band students who are in there for four years. And the very first year you're there, everybody wants to know why you're not doing it like the last person. And you, I mean, you don't know how the last person did it in a lot of cases. And so. Between that and the paperwork, there were days where I thought, gosh, at what point am I supposed to be a band director? Like I had to go get my CDL and learn how to drive the bus because I drive my band everywhere we go. Wow. (laughs) So like there were all the extra things, the driving the bus, the medication workshop for when you go on trips, Uh uh, the paperwork you have to fill out, um, all those things. And uh, eventually I thought, gosh, if I can just sit back and focus on the music at some point during my day – then, you know, you understand why you do all the other stuff.
0: Yeah. Wow. I just want to say, before we go into the rapid fire, I mean, I just have such an appreciation for the amount of dedication you have to your program, even just the fact that you drive the bus everywhere. That's amazing. Well, thank you. Yeah. Was that, was that tough to get your, your bus license, your CDL? It was a
1: three-day class, and then you had to go drive to, like, driver's ed, but in a bus. Yeah. So I mean, it's... <laughs> a bit of time but um, I was actually excited to do that because my uncle and grandfather were both truck drivers and my brother has a CDL too so I was like all right it runs in the family I'll go ahead and do it (laughs) yeah
0: so I've, I've always had this question and I've never asked anyone who drives a truck but does it feel different I mean are you excited to get in your car after you drive a bus is it like a different like a I don't know you you feel faster when you're in a car
1: Yes, because those activity buses have a governor on them, so it doesn't go uh. 55 miles an hour. Driving down the interstate in North Carolina, sometimes you get past like you're standing still <laughs> so you by the racetrack down <laughs> um, Like after I drive in big cities, I definitely am excited to get back in my Toyota Camry. Um, yeah. But I mean, it's fun to drive a bus too. <laughs>
0: yeah. Wow. That's very cool. Okay, so this next segment of the interview is called Rapid Fire. I'm just okay. gonna shoot out, I have seven questions here. I'm just gonna shoot them out and you tell me the first thing that pops into your head. Okay. Alright, here we go. First question. How many cups of coffee do you drink per day?
1: Three normally.
0: Three normally. Okay. If you weren't a band director, what would you be doing?
1: Oh, man. Oh, I'm not supposed to think this long about it, am I? Um, <laughs> I would be playing my fleet somewhere.
0: A professional food player? Yes. Okay. Um, what What is the destination of your dream vacation? Hawaii. Hawaii. Have you ever been to Hawaii?
1: No. One of my very best friends in college is from there, um, but I've never been.
0: Okay. Alright, what is your favorite instrument, other than a flute, to play uh, in band rehearsal? Euphonium. Oh, okay. Favorite stands tune during marching band?
1: Final countdown. Nice.
0: Um, what is your morning routine before you go to work?
1: Um, I get up and eat breakfast, and I watch the news, and I make sure I have everything in my flute bag for the day and then I walk out the door. I get ready really quick because I'm not a morning person. Okay. <laughs> I, should, with you, I didn't mention that. I do take a shower and brush my teeth. Okay.
0: All right. Very good. Right. And then your final question. What is one quote you live your life by?
1: That I live my life by with my band or just in
0: general? In general. Or with your band. Doesn't matter.
1: Okay. I have to quote Somebody that I I I went to a um, a conductors conference where Scott Rush was the guest clinician, Mm -hmm. and I swear I cried like every ten minutes because it was so, (laughs) (laughs) but um, for a good reason, you know. But he said they don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Yes. And so I mean I've realized that in other life situations, not just in my band room, but it's true. Like if you really listen to people. Um, you know, and, and respond and just really, I I don't know, it just, today I feel like we're so overrun with technology and people aren't focused on the people around them. And so I really think, you know, that has a lot to do with, you you know, how, how people feel that you're around throughout the day.
0: Oh my gosh. Yeah. I'm going to remember that. (laughs) That, that's an amazing quote. Wow. All right. Emily McNeil. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I I really, really appreciate it.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. I found that to be such a powerful quote, and I've been telling everyone that it's my quote of the week. I think it ties in nicely with the attention idea I had in the segment on what's going on in my classroom. You know, the kids need to know that you care and tenudo tuesday this week our tenudo tuesday challenge is to tell that quote to one teacher at your school i think it needs to be spread and i think you tenutonians have the power to do that if you haven't already joined our community like the facebook page tenudo podcast and visit our website tenudopodcast.com we're thrilled to be back giving you all all these new podcast episodes and you know i hope to continue giving you these excellent interviews but Before I go, I just want you to know that I hope you have a great, great Tuesday. Can you go out?